0: And some of you guys have not been here since day one, so I'll just remind you, um, we started as a college thing. We didn't start as a Um uh, There were many times that the band, not like it is today, um, played for like one person. And I determined early on, um, every time we walk in this room, we're gonna do it the same. Whether there's one person or a hundred people, we come in this room and, and we're going to do the same because we do it for Jesus, not for you. I love you, Amen. but we do it for you. I don't know. The band sure. plays, but man, we, we want you to come with us, so we're, we're praising Him, not entertaining you. Amen. And uh, we want you to go with us, so, man, it's all for Him. We, we decided to stay one. We're going to come in, and if there's one person there or nobody there, which there's been a couple of us, uh, we're just going to do it. And it's funny because we did, but. I, Sometimes there was nobody in your seats, and we just got up and led worship to the chairs, and then I preached to to the band. We were in a borrowed building, a little warehouse thing, uh, not quite as glamorous as this place. Um, And then we vacated that. um, We were in a backyard once. that was awesome. It really was. didn't tie to anything. It's not about the building. Uh, we were in a backyard one time, um, at Caleb's house. He didn't invite us back, and no, I just said we go back to that if you were maybe do that one. And then uh, we were in a clubhouse at a subdivision that nobody in the workflow would be uh, the first time Jacob showed up actually in that clubhouse. Um and uh, just kind of right there in the lawn chairs and whatever. Old glass tables all around us at church. Um, And for a year we were in a bar building with pink carpet, as you can imagine. It's very not much our style. Um, (laughs) That was us for like a year uh, because of uh, the generosity of the pastor just here in the area. So it's not about our church, so you guys can use it. And uh, then we, in September, will be two years, our first Sunday ever. which is amazing, you know, a little big closet of a room. And you guys come down, board there. Um, and, and now we're here. And I walked in here yesterday, and i was like, man, look at what God has blessed us with. Like, Amen. Look where we've come. And then if some of you walk over next door and look. Just um, to imagine that we have to now have a space for kids because we, <laughs> we, we didn't really anticipate that when we started in that little metal building. Um, look what God's doing. Amen. Amen. Uh, Sometimes I just get kind of overwhelmed by that. And I think this, this weekend has been one of those where it's like, man, oh, God's so good. But I just want you to know that like, He's not even got started. Some of you guys are like, it's crazy. We're praying today, Brad. Awesome. Don't be care. Because my God is not constrained to He shows up on Sunday morning. I mean, he's got plans for us. Amen. Um, and He's doing the work in this place. So I believe that. And, uh, and I, can't, I can't wait to see it. I really can't. Um, but I just want to let you know, um, God has been good to me. Amen? Amen. Amen. And when I get overwhelmed, I'm okay with that. I'm, I know I'm a man and men are not supposed to cry. I have emotions apparently. Um, but it's okay to get overwhelmed by what Jesus and uh, I just, I don't know why I said that this morning. I wonder if was part of a deal for me this morning, if it was for him this morning. Uh, it's amazing to me that, that now we're in two of these deals. And who knows in a month, two months, three months, what it's going to look like. And I just want to say, it's going to be a wild ride. And you're going to want to be around for it. Amen. And then, uh, You're going to be sitting here in a year when I'm telling the same story, and you're going to be like, I mean, three years from now, oh my gosh, wow. because the truth is, man, God's not done with us, sometimes we get done with Him, but it's not done with us. Yeah. And if we would just seek Him um, like we expect Him to show up for us, okay. what would it look like? thought about that this morning. Um, I was just praying about this message. I know I'm maybe on a rabbit, but I'm not. I was But thinking about that when I was praying about this message this morning. See, the truth of it is... And we get really ticked off when we perceive that God is not there, right? Not something happened. I'm so mad God didn't show up. A lot of times that's just His grace. But I just want to let you know that's us, it's our hearts. This thing didn't work out or this person didn't come around or this community <coughs> didn't pan out and we get so upset and we get frustrated and aggravated. But I was thinking, man, what if God just showed up as much as we showed up? he doesn't. But man, like, we get frustrated when we have to come to church for that number of hours. <laughs> we have to show up so many times a week. We're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe i got to be around God that much. <laughs> <laughs> but we expect him to always be there around us. Amen. No. This morning, uh, we're going to continue this series, I don't know. Man, I'll be honest, I left last week kind of sore. Like some of you guys talked to me when I got off stage, and I was like, I'm just tired. And I perceive that this morning is going to be similar. <laughs> but I just want to let you know that, that, man, I love it when I leave that. It's like, when you know God showed up. He Jacob, uh, he's uh, out in the wilderness and wrestled with God in that dream. And he, he got up and he walked different. I guarantee you that hip was sore. But he told God, I'm not going to let go of you until you tell me your name. And he didn't held on. You can imagine blow after blow, the sin streams the kicking and struggling and wrestling. You no know, man can wrestle with God again, but I just want you to get this image. And he didn't let go until God showed him what he wanted to see. But man, look at what it did. It changed his walk. And this is these are those messages. And sometimes you just gotta hold on, you gotta struggle. <laughs> some of you guys stood up last week and you were like, Man, I'm gonna be closer to God and follow God and I guarantee do you left. And some of you guys, nothing changed for you. You left bruised, but you didn't leave walking different. And I just going like you know, just keep holding on. Just keep holding on. You'll get what you want. And it's a struggle to follow God, it's a struggle to walk with God, it's a struggle to know God. It's never been easy, it's not about being easy, but you really wanted it to be easy. This morning, God is inviting us into a relationship with Him in this series. I love it. It's called The Greatest Pursuit. I did not even know what that word meant before last week. I'll just be completely honest. It just happened to sneak up into the title and I looked it up. But Pursuit is a word that just means that we chase something in a way that we might catch it or grab hold of it. We might take hold of it. The truth of it is, everybody in this room this morning is pursuing something. I'll be completely honest. Some of you guys pursuing jobs, careers, just getting out of school. That's my corner right over here. Just getting out of school. <laughs> um, some of you guys are pursuing, uh, you know, promotions or families or, or whatever. None of those things are bad things. But I just want to say that all those things are temporary. And everything that you can pursue on this planet is a temporary thing. At the end of the day, you don't know that you're going to make it to the moment. And if you make it to the moment, you don't know how long you're going to have the moment because these bodies have an expiration date. There's a moment when you and I, it's just reality, it's not more, but it's awesome because uh, we're going to go do with him, hopefully. Um, but there's a moment when this thing, this vessel, this car, whatever, is going to break down. And they're going to put it in a hole. They're going to retire this thing. But for those of us that know Jesus, we're stepping into in that moment eternity with our God. Amen. And the truth of it is, promotions—they don't matter. Not really, does it? Yeah. At the end of the day, step into that promotion, live it your whole life, and when you go in the hole, you can't take that promotion with you. You get to heaven, and you show you got your little card for your job, and you know, baby, okay, <laughs> I got you. That. You can't take your car with you into heaven. You can't take your house with you into heaven or your toys with you into heaven or your things. All these things are temporary. I'm gonna go in a hole and those things are gonna to go to somebody or in the same spot. That's how it works. And if that's true, man, we spend so much effort and so much energy chasing things that are that are temporary when God has told us that there is one eternal thing, right? Amen, (laughs) people? Let's go with it. There is one thing that's eternal, right? Yes. And it's me being there with him. And I'm never going to leave him, never going to be separated from him, never going to walk away from him, never going to be out of eyesight from him ever again. And that's going to be an amazing moment. And if that's the thing, if that's the thing that matters when you're laying there the last 30 seconds before you take your last breath, and it's the thing that will carry you and launch you through eternity, why doesn't it matter more now? See, the truth is, this morning, Jesus invites us to chase Him in a greater way than we chase our job. Jobs are not bad things. We've got to have money. Jesus invites us in, to chase Him in a greater way than we're chasing that car or that dream or that thing or that relationship or that family. God invites us into that. And this morning, we have the opportunity to say, no, I want this more, so I'll give you church. Or we can say, Jesus, I trust you. And I'm going to run straight toward you. I'm going to let you worry about this. The Bible promises you, a good father, I'm pretty sure you can take care of that stuff. So this morning, the answer, where we get started, is that Jesus is the only thing really worth chasing. And we ought to chase him in a way that we can hope him. This morning, we're going to look at John chapter 4. If you have the Bible with you, we're going to... Talk about um, a lady that some of you guys are familiar with. Some of you guys have heard this story from me. Some, most of you probably heard it somewhere else, but it's a story of a Samaritan woman. It says in four. Just kind of some intro into it. I love when the Bible does it, so I don't have to. It says when Jesus knew that the Pharisees heard he was making more, uh, making and baptizing more disciples than John. John being John the Baptist, not John the disciple. Um. Though Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he left Judea and went to Galilee. That's the intro to our story this morning. Let me just tie that up in a pretty little bow for you. Um, the Pharisees are religious leaders. Hopefully we you know that. If you don't know that, now you're on board. Uh, the Pharisees are the religious leaders. Of they're like the preachers evangelists, uh, music people. That, that's them. They're the, they're the guys that are trying to lead the people of Israel to God. That's them. And, and these religious leaders heard that Jesus, who is a carpenter to them looking at him, he's just a carpenter he's uneducated, he's untrained. he's not a Pharisee he's not a teacher, he's not been to rabbi school, he not known anything they heard that he's making um, disciples, now carpenters don't make disciples, that's just how that works carpenters make the princes, they go build chairs carpenters don't make disciples who follow God and the Pharisees heard this and were like I'm not a fan of that, I don't like that I'm not okay with that but what even infuriated them more was that Jesus was actually making and baptizing more disciples than John the Baptist. John the Baptist was this guy who came before Jesus, and he was a weird dude, more like camel hair, and he ate bugs, don't hang out with him. <laughs> um, but he was awesome at, at doing one thing, that was preaching this message that, that the, the kingdom of God is coming. And he was doing that, and he was winning multitudes into this idea that God is about to send a Savior to this planet. The Pharisees also didn't like him because he didn't look like him, he didn't dress like them, he wasn't educated like them, they weren't fans of him. And now here is Jesus stepping on the scene, this carpenter who's a little bit different than the camel hair man, but still, uh, still not in Pharisee school. And they're not okay with that. And what Jesus knows is already at this point in time, these people are going to seek to kill him because they don't want him. They want more Pharisees, they want more religious leaders, they don't want the Son of God. So when Jesus knows, man, they're getting they're getting aggravated, they're getting frustrated, they're about to do something. Not in a way that he's running from the cross, but in a way that he still has more to do. Jesus decides, I'm getting out of here. So he leaves this place. This uh, I don't find verse uh sorry, the verse four. Sorry, just verse three. And he left Judea, which is in the southern part of Israel, as we would know, Palestine, of today, and in the southern kind of corner below, actually Jericho, where the people. Entered into Israel, this area of Judea, and he left to go to Galilee, which is in the, in the very most northern part of Israel. So he had to hit across a large distance, kind of to get away from these guys. And when Jesus did this, it says that he did this, and for he had to travel through Samaria. Now, this is false, actually. Jesus did not have to travel through Samaria, and what I mean by that is there are other routes from Judea to Galilee. In this moment, I want you to hear this, I'm not saying the Bible is wrong. I'm saying that we have to dig into the meaning here for a moment. The truth is, most people, most Jewish men when leaving Judea to go to Galilee would not ask through Samaria because the Jewish people hated the Samaritans. They viewed them actually as the lowest form of humanity on the planet. They did not like these people. They didn't like these people because the Samaritans were people that were imported by the Assyrians into Israel after the exile of the ten tribes. Assyria came in, they took these northern tribes of Israel, they drug them over to Assyria, and what they did was they took these people from a different land in their place. And when these people come to this different land, they carried their customs, their religion. They were idolatrous people. They practiced these idolatrous religions right there in Israel, and when they did that, God punished these people. So the Assyrians thought, hey, I have a plan. I will send a priest over to the Samaritans, and these priests will teach these people the religion of the Jews, these people who were not Jewish, now learning this Jewish religion. But the problem is, they didn't drop their old religions, they just added on their new religion. I want you to hear that because that's important. They did not drop their old religions, their old ways, they just added on a new religion. They just added on like we would today maybe if we didn't drop our old lifestyle. They just added on Jesus. And the Israelites see this and they're like, man, they're, they're not us. They pretend to practice our religion. They pretend to worship our God, but they're not us. They're idolaters. They follow another God. So the Israelites hated the Samaritans most Jewish men because of that, most Jewish people actually, because of that, wouldn't travel through Samaria kind of in the heart of Israel. They would go over the Jordan River, they would come up the other side, and then they would cross over into Galilee just so they wouldn't have to step foot in the Samaritan soil because they were so afraid I'll be made unclean if I'm around these unclean people. And here in this moment when it says that Jesus had to travel through Samaria, that, that's, that's false if we're looking at it just as what it says. There were other ways. But I just want to say to you this morning, Jesus had to travel through Samaria. Not because the destination called for it, not because the GPS said this is the only way, but because there was something that was happening in that moment, in that place that had been appointed by God. There was a meeting that was was determined by God, the Father. And Jesus had to show up at that place at that moment for that meeting. So Jesus, not being afraid to be made unclean, not being afraid to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, travels into Samaria. This is in 5. He came near to a town of Samaria called Sychar. Uh, this is a town that actually uh, has another name, it's Shechem. This town... Shechem or Sychar, as as we're going to learn in just a second, the place of Jacob's well. But there's a lot of important historical things that have happened in this town. This town was a town that Abraham, the first patriarch, came to and camped out there. It's a a land that Isaac actually gave to his son Jacob, and he gave that land to his son Jacob, and Jacob dwelt in that place, and he dug a well in that place. This is crazy to me, because this is a very important place in the history of Israel, the Israelites wanted to go there. This place also was the place that, after these ten northern tribes left Israel, they set up as the new capital of these ten combined kingdoms. It was a very important historical place for Jesus. Maybe uh, is someone who had been there to see it wanted to go back and visit. And so, so he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the property Jacob had given his son Joseph. This is in 6. Jacob's well was there. That's how we know it's checking. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, worn out from his journey, sat down at the well. It was about 6 in the evening. So this is the scene kind of here. It's late in the evening, 6 o'clock. Jesus is tired, probably getting hungry. It's afternoon. He's been traveling all day to get to this place. Um, Isn't it amazing that Jesus gets tired? I I just want to throw that in. Jesus... Here, we're, we're, we look at all these things. We're like, oh, it's easy for him. He's the Son of God. The cross wasn't a big deal for him. He's the Son of God. Yeah, right. He got tired and got hurt. Just like anybody else. And here's some proof of it. But it says that he, he was tired in this moment. It was late in the evening. So he, he comes to this place, Jacob's well. And it says about 6 in the evening. Verse 7, it says, A woman of Samaria, a Samaritan woman, came to draw water. And Jesus says to her, give me a drink. Now, it's a weird conversation starter, I'll just be honest. If you walk up to me at the mall and I'm sitting at the cookie place, I'll look at you and be like, "Hey, give me a cookie. That's not really how that works. Um, But Jesus apparently is not afraid of jumping into a conversation here. But what what I want to show you here um, is this is such an unusual moment. We're going to hash out this for the next few verses, but I just just want you to know it's 6 o'clock in the evening. Most people aren't visiting the well at 6 o'clock in the evening. Six o'clock in the evening is actually kind of still a hot part of the day, right? If you don't believe me, you go out about six o'clock a day and just sit there for a few minutes you're going to be dripping. Uh, most people, when they come to the well, they come in the morning, in the cool of the day. So so the community would come down in the morning and they would collect all the water they need for the day before it gets really hot. And they would get in these jugs and then they would go back to the house. So they would have water for you know the, the rest of the day, for all the chores they have to do that day, for all the meals they're going to have to do that day. But here's a woman who's coming at six o'clock in the evening. So either this woman is ill-prepared for, for the day, she didn't get enough water the first time, or um, there's some reason she's coming later on in the day. Can you imagine coming to the well later on in the day at 6 o'clock, it's still hot, now you've got to come down, carry these jugs, you've got to fill these jugs up, you've got to put them on your back and go back to the house, weighted down by all these jugs in the hot of the day, and this is that woman. So she comes to the well at 6 o'clock, Jesus had to be waiting on one woman, because this was not something that would have happened regularly. And then she comes down to the well and Jesus jumps into a conversation with her and says, give me a drink. In A, it says for his disciples had gone into town to buy food. Apparently even John, the disciple of thought this was weird enough that he needed to explain why the disciples were not getting the water or why Jesus was sitting in a, a well alone in the, the late part of the day. It's, it's not a usual thing. And says in the next verse, in 9... But the Samaritan woman apparently thinks it's weird, too, and she starts out her part of the conversation like this. How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? This woman is so shocked by the fact that Jesus is talking to her that she feels the need to ask the question, why are you talking to me? This is not, I, I don't know you and you don't know me. This is, I, I just want to let you know, um, you're Jewish. <laughs> and I'm not. I'm I'm a Samaritan woman and we basically didn't get that about how I look, how I dress, I'm not like you, I'm not your people, and your people don't generally talk to my people, so I don't know how you right now are even having a conversation with me. But that'd be a weird moment. If, if you went up to somebody and you started talking to them and they are like, I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm gothic and you're a church person. Or, I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm, I'm this kind of sinner and, and you're a church person. I feel like actually that may happen if we were to engage in some of these conversations. But this woman was so taken back by the fact that this Jewish man was addressing her, she felt the need to explain, hey, I don't know if you've been around for the past couple hundred years, but your people don't like my people. I'm a Samaritan and you're a Jew. And on top of that, I'm I'm a woman. Men don't just talk to random women on the street. Women at this point in time, we love you guys. I don't feel swayed, but women at this point in time we're not the most highly regarded people on the planet. It would be unusual for a man to even feel like having a conversation with a woman that's not their life, because men didn't really value women at this time. In time, and this woman's just so confused right now because here in the middle of her city, was sitting on a well that is Jacob, a patriarch's well, apparently, Jews don't like him, um, is, is a Jewish man talking to a Samaritan woman. And he's saying, Did he agree? She even actually felt so sure about this that she went on to explain um, Jews don't associate with Samaritans. In 10, it says Jesus answered. I love Jesus' answers because they never really followed the conversation. <laughs> um, if you knew the gift of God and knew it was saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask Him and He would give you living water. <laughs> I'm a Samaritan woman. If you knew the gift of God, like these two things, they don't match up. I love when Jesus does that because here's the truth. Jesus didn't care who this woman was. So He didn't take the time to address it. He, he didn't take the time to be like, oh, I know that we're different. That's okay. I'm just going to be here for a moment. I'm just I'm really thirsty. It's hot. And you're the only one here. So I would ask of you, they don't come here, and you're a Samaritan, and I need some water. He didn't get into that. This <laughs> wasn't important. Jesus didn't care who this woman was, where her history was, and where she come from. That wasn't in any interest of Jesus. Actually, Jesus just goes ahead and flips the conversation. He goes, if you knew the gift of God, See this is how you know I'm not Jesus? Because I would be smiling, like if you knew the gift of God, like I'd be trying to let her in on on the fact, like He's, he's right here. I think Jesus is, is saying, man, if you knew, if you knew God was sending the gift, I think that's the first part of it. If you, if you knew that there was this promise of a Savior, if you knew God was sending the Messiah, if you knew that He was coming to set up His kingdom, if you knew anything about that, I think that's kind of where it was going. But I love this next part. He just goes ahead and includes, and who is saying to you? If you knew the promise of God and you knew what was talking to you today, um, you would actually flip the conversation with what Jesus is saying, and you would ask me, or you would ask him, and he would give you living water. If you, if you really realized what was going on here today, You wouldn't be worried about getting me water, you'd be worried about getting you water, is what Jesus is saying. But I love how he words it. He says, You would ask him, and then this guarantee, and he would give you something to drink. He'd give you living water. Now, I love that because it doesn't say, Man, if if you knew who it was talking to you, you would ask me, and I would really think hard about giving you something to drink. Man, if you, if you knew who you were talking to, you would ask me and I, I would decide if, if I liked you enough or if I could get over the fact that you were Samaritan enough just to give you some... He did not say any of that. It's a guarantee, isn't it? If you knew who it was talking to you today, if you knew who showed up today, if you knew who was staring at you today, if you knew who was interacting with you today, if you would ask me for water and then guarantee, I would give you some of the drink. I would give you some living water. And it's the same story this morning. I just want you to know, if Jesus shows up today and he's talking to you, it's not a maybe or if or if I get this thing right or I check this box or I can improve my situation status with this thing or if I can work this thing with this thing. If Jesus is talking to you, you've you've done everything you need to do except answer. And that's what he's saying to this (laughs) one. She even began to get this. Like if you... If you even began to get who the Messiah, the Savior was, if you could even begin to wrap your mind around who's talking to you this morning, uh, you would just drop this whole get me water thing, and then you would worry about get me giving you water, because the truth is, Jesus doesn't need anything we have. We need everything he has. And this woman, in this moment, and you're like, this is going to be amazing, right? You no, know, because you've read it, Jesus. Um... Really, like the first time it's me. This woman, you're like, man, we're about to revival this place. It's going to be awesome. She looks at Jesus and she's like, sir, you don't even have a bucket. (laughs) (laughs) Really? You knew the promise of God and you knew the. Savior, you knew he was talking to you, You he'd ask me for water, and i give you something to drink in living water. I that, that well is deep. It's like, woman, well, you totally missed that. You totally missed that. And here's what I love about that. Why did she think Jesus drawing the water out of the same well was going to be living We never thought about that before we this this week. What she expected Jesus to do to get her that living water was to just take out some bucket, dip it down in that same well, draw it back up, and somehow miraculously, because there was Jesus involved in the same well, the water was going to be different, and it's so far from the truth. See, the truth is, that is Jacob's well. She's going to explain that to us in just a moment. When Jacob drew the water out of the well, it was the same water, uh, when her forefathers, her ancestors, dumped the thing in the well and pulled it back out, it was the same water. When she dumped the bucket in the water and pulled it out, it was the same water. And it happened the same way if Jesus was involved. It's the same water because it's from the same well. And then she's like, Jesus, you, you don't have a bucket. and that, that well is deep. See, adding Jesus to the solution doesn't actually change the water in the wells that were digging I just want you to hear that. And you, you keep going back to the same place and dumping the bucket in the same thing. It doesn't matter if Jesus has a hand on the bucket or not. You're going to get the same water out of the same well. It's only when the well changes that the water changes. Amen. So she looks at Jesus. She's like, "You don't have a bucket. How do you get down that well?" And she says, "Where do you get this living water?" I love it, because I'm kind of smart enough, and I read it kind of like that. What are you going to get this woman right? And Then she says in 12, this is what makes me think. This woman's probably on my label. You are not greater than our father, Jacob, are you? You're greater than Jacob? Greater than? You didn't know him. shouldn't probably have much respect for him. Are you greater than Jacob? He's a patriarch. I'm not okay. going to put him. Jacob. you are you greater than Jacob? And she says, he gave us this well and drank from it himself, and so did his sons and his livestock. She says, it's a pretty good well. Jacob dug the well, and he's, he's a patriarch. I don't know if you know that. He's a great forefather of the Jewish people, and I just want you to know this well was good enough for Jacob. It's good, good enough for Jacob. good enough for me. He drank from it. His sons drank from it. His livestock drinks from it, and, and I can drink from it. It's a pretty good well. The truth is, man, she's like, that well was good enough for Mama, it was good enough for Daddy, and it was good enough for Jacob. Uh, And I don't really see how you got anything better than that well that I've always been drinking from, and they were always drinking from. This is the conversation she's literally from after Jesus right now. And it's amazing because I feel like you do the same thing. And here's what Jesus says in 13 He didn't say, I'm greater than Jacob. That would have been great, wouldn't it? <laughs> Jesus is not a smart-up fact. <laughs> oh, I'm greater than Jacob. I just told you, I'm I don't know if you got that. If you are a little slow, i got to use water, and you thought I was going to water as well. That's been me. smart. <laughs> but Jesus is not. And he could have been really awesome, and he could have said, actually, he's, he's not your father, Jacob. Any other Jewish man would have said this. Our father, Jacob, drink from it. No, you are Samaritan. Jacob ain't your father. You get the conversation that could have went on right here. Jesus could have been right and he could have won the argument, Jesus was not concerned about winning an argument with this lady. He was concerned about winning souls. Amen. He went all the arguments want wanted. We get so caught up in that. I don't know if I can debate people on the Bible. Who cares? I'm not about winning an argument. Jesus is here to meet this woman. So Jesus doesn't say any of that. Actually, when he answers back, he says, Everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. Good point. What Jesus is saying is, yeah, that's great. You keep drinking out of this well of good enough because guess what? Tomorrow you're going to have to come back at 6 o'clock when it's hot. you're going to dunk back down into the well of good enough. And then the next day, you know what? You can come back down the road. You can dunk back into the well of good enough. You know why? Because the well of good enough, although you may come every day for the rest of your life and you may get a little bit of relief, will never be enough to satisfy you, is what Jesus said. And you come back to good enough. You can do good enough all your whole life. And you know what? You will survive. And it might quench your thirst for a moment. And it, it it may even relieve some of it for a minute or two. But it will never satisfy you is what Jesus is saying. And this well is flawed because this well can't do anything long distance for you. Because when you dump back into this well, you're going to get thirsty again, just like everybody else who dumped into this well. But he says, but whoever drinks from the water that I I will give him will never thirst again. I love it. He says, you're going to come to this well good enough. You're going to dunk in here every day for the rest of your life. But if you'll just change wells, if you'll just come over here to this well, and if you'll just drink out of this well, you're never going to get thirsty again. And then he adds, ever. I'm going to emphasize that for you because you just don't get how long this is. Man, it'd be great, honestly, if Jesus was like, if you come to this well once a week and drink out of it, it's going to be beautiful. Wouldn't it? You don't know because your water comes out with a little sink in the ground. You go find a well every day and you get there in the heat of the day and you draw out of it every day everything to wash your clothes, do your dishes, cook with, drink with. You go draw and carry that much water every day. It would be great if Jesus was like, man, once a month you can come and you can drink out of this well and it it will satisfy, you'll never... You think about it. if I gave you a glass of water right now and you're like drinking that thing and you weren't thirsty again for a month that'd be a miracle is what that would be but Jesus says you drink out of this well one time and you're never going to get thirsty again ever so you can go over there and you can dunk into good enough that, that, that will, that will kind of quench the thirst for a minute or you can come over here to the well that will satisfy you. because the water that I have man, one drink is enough He says that you will never get thirsty again, ever. And he said, in fact, there's more. The water I will give him will become a well. Actually, the water I'm going to give you will turn into a well. The water of this well will spring up, with water springing up within him, within you, for eternal life. The water of the well that Jesus is willing to give you that will plant a well in you will sustain you, not for today or tomorrow or the next day or a month from now or a year from now, but will become a well that springs up within you for eternal life. And what that means is the well that Jesus is willing to give you, that water will quench you forever. You're going to die and the well still won't be there. But I love this. What he's also saying is you will become a well. And other people can dip down into that well. Because your well actually contains eternal life. You, so again, you know, can pass that stuff out. And two, again, you're inseparable. The follow of Jesus and the call to tell people about Jesus, but they never come separate. This would have perked up the woman's ears at the time. here's what the woman says. Sir, the woman said to him, give me this water so I won't get thirsty, and that is the act, and come here to draw water. Give me this water that's tired to come to this well. is what she said. Give me some of the water you're talking about because I don't want to come here every day. A woman a minute ago who was saying this well is good enough for Jacob is now saying, truth of the story, uh, actually this well is not good enough for me. Minutes ago, you ain't got nothing better than this well, and now this encounter with Jesus has started, and she's like, I don't want to come here every day, actually, this is horrible. So here's what Jesus says to the woman and the In 16, he says, Go call your husband. This was not originally part of the deal, was it? We didn't start this conversation with, hey, go get your husband and we'll have a talk with your woman. We you didn't do that. This is all leading us to a moment. Right? He says, go call your husband, he told her, and come back to this spot. Come back to this well." The well I told you I'd come back to the In 17, this is the woman's answer. I don't have a husband, she answered. I don't have one of those. I need this water. I don't have a husband, so you're going to change the deal, is what she's thinking. I love what Jesus says. You have correctly said, I don't have a husband. Seems like one of those fortune teller tricks where they get the name wrong and they're like, oh, I was you. But Jesus knew he would be thinking that. So here's what Jesus said You have correctly said, I don't have a husband, Jesus said, for you've had five husbands. Actually, you've had five. You don't currently have one, but you've had a And the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. It sheds a little light on our situation. See, Jesus knew in this moment that he met this woman, her story, which is crazy because Jesus has never been to this place that we know of, never met this woman that we know of. Certainly no evidence of it in the text here. But in the moment Jesus meets her, he has the ability to tell her all these things about herself. He says, actually, you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands. And the guy you're now living with, best case scenario, is not your husband. Worst case scenario, it's someone else's husband. We don't really get that in the text here. But all we know is it's not hers. And your See, the truth of it is, in this moment, Jesus is shedding light on this situation for us. Because Can I just say to you, the woman's well, where she was trying to get life and fulfillment from, was not this whole thing. That was a necessity. Everybody has to drink water. Actually, Jesus, the entire conversation, has not even been talking about water. Maybe from the first. I would like something to drink. But everything after that, he's not even been talking about water. And what he's saying to this woman in this moment is, ma'am, if I may, I'm not even talking about well. The well you've been digging into and trying to find fulfillment and life and happiness from, that well is actually me. The thing you've been pursuing, actually, your whole life is men. And the context of the evidence of that comes from the fact that you have five husbands and you're now living with somebody else. Here's why. Because you're looking for happiness in a person. You're looking for happiness in a man. So you found the first man, and guess what? Just like every other man, he couldn't do it. So he left. And then you found another man. And you know what? He couldn't do it either. And then you found another man, and he couldn't do it. Another, and another, and now you're on dude number six. And I just want to let you know, the well you keep dumping that bucket into is not doing it for you. See, the truth is, that well has no power to sustain you. You cannot find happiness in life from men. I just want you to know, it's not going to come out of that. You come to that well every day, and you dump the bucket in but I just want you to know, you're going to have to come back over and over again. And if, woman, you continue this, you're going to be on like 12 before you leave this place. See, the truth is, not only did Jesus know this, but every person in this town knew this about this woman. That's the reason the woman comes at 6 o'clock in the afternoon every single day to draw out of the well. She doesn't want to come in the morning because that's when all the people are there. This woman is is the worst of the worst in the city of the worst, is what this is. (laughs) There's no reason Jesus should have ever been in this city. And there's no reason Jesus should have ever been surrounded by these people. And there's no reason Jesus should have ever been talking to this woman. Because this woman, if you were to look down the list of the city, would have been on the very bottom of the barrel. But Jesus didn't seem to care. He showed up. And and this was the woman he was looking for. The woman who'd been drawn out of the wrong well, doing the wrong thing, looking for something the wrong way. This is the woman. And Jesus showed up. and, And when he showed up, he wasn't concerned about what he could get from her. Rather, what he could give her. So, what he does when he looks at this woman is he says, Let me just diagnose your life for just a second. You, ma'am, are digging into the wrong well. And the only way you're ever going to get anything that satisfies you is to switch wells. Amen? Amen. I I can come here and I can get the bucket and I can dig it down into the same well and I can pull it up, but I just want you to know it's going to be the same water. We translate. If Jesus is in your relationship, yet you're still looking for happiness in your relationship, it's going to fail. I don't care that you tax church on. If you're looking for happiness in a person, a thing, a job, some material, some lifestyle, some promotion, some uh, drug, some substance, some thing, happiness is not going to be found in those things because guess what? It doesn't live at the bottom of that well. Though so everything you got into a relationship, and it'll break. Throw so everything you got got into a promotion and it'll break because it can never sustain you. There's only one thing that can sustain you. There's only one thing that can satisfy you. And what Jesus is saying to her and to us is it's me. It's me. 19 the woman says sir I see you're a prophet Again, she, uh, back, but it's getting more uncomfortable now maybe some of us are getting uncomfortable right now and here's what the woman does and maybe some of us are trying to do this right now she tries to jump into religion and she goes uh, our fathers worship on this mountain you say the place to worship is Jerusalem he tries to deflect into worship, how you worship. Let me just sum up the next couple words from Jesus. None of that matters. It's not about where you worship, it's what Jesus is saying, it's about who you worship. You can start trying to right now hash out all the details of theology and all the things you have to change, but I just want to let you know if Jesus is saying change wells, you have one thing that you have to worry about. Am I going to change wells? Not am I going to do this or am I going to do that or how am I going to get past this or how No, it's you can keep your bucket or you can take my bucket. That's that's the offer this morning, actually. Jesus is saying to us this morning, Yeah, you keep going in that same well and you keep dunking in that same well, but you are wasting time, brother or sister, because there's nothing in that well. What you need to do is you need to take a bunch of rocks and a bunch of sticks and a bunch of dirt and you need to dump them in that well so you never go back to that well. You need to cap that well off and you need to relocate where you get your happiness and your love and your affection and your fulfillment from. You need to change. Because my well, man, it satisfies. It's deep and it is a good well and it is fulfilling. And that well is drunk. I don't care if it was good enough for Jacob. I don't care if it's good enough for mom and dad. I don't care if it's good enough for go-go down go, go the street. Isn't good enough for you? And the woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us again. Time to deflect." What she's saying, and let me just wrap it up for you, just like we heard last week, is I'll worry about that later. This is weird, uncomfortable, I'm going to push it off, I'm going to pass it off, I'm going to wait till the Messiah comes, I'm going to wait until he shows up, and he can me what's going on. For you, that's I'm going to get the heck out of here, and I'm going to worry about that in a little bit, because I'm uncomfortable right now, and I know we're there. Here's what Jesus says. I love this. He says, I am he. Oh, don't you worry about it, I am he. I am. I showed up. I am here. And I am He, And I am telling you right now everything you need to know. You don't have to leave. You don't have to run. You don't have to get out of here. You have to come here. You have to change wells. I am me. Okay? You got that? You get that? You get that? You get that? I'm He. Put digging in your well. I've explained everything. You need to know. I am He. I am. I am is just a word meaning to be. exist. What Jesus is saying is I am enough. I am what you need. I am fulfillment. I am life. I am happiness. I am good enough. I am gonna fix that problem. I am gonna heal your broken heart. I am gonna fill you up. I am gonna change your life. I am gonna make everything different for you. I am. Amen. I am. I want you to hear that over your life right now because some of you guys are struggling and worrying and whatever. And I just want you to hear Jesus say, I am. We're chasing that. I am. It's not. We're running there. I am. It's not. Put on that same well, I am. It's not. Cap that well. Come over here. I am. You're looking for enough. I am. You're looking for happiness. I am. You're looking for fulfillment. I am. You're looking for the next big thing. Man, I am. Whatever the end of the sentence is, I am. The one speaking to just then the disciples showed up very freaked out by the fact that she's <laughs> talking to this woman they don't say anything about it. I love 28. In 28 it says when the woman left her job. he cannot come back to the well. She now does have to. Some reason in that moment when Jesus said, I am speaking, the one speaking to you, I mean, something clicked in her and she's like, You know what? This well does like. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to speak. this. World this well isn't good enough. This well doesn't deserve it. I don't need this dark anymore. I don't need anything to get in this well with anymore. i never coming back to this well. I love it. She didn't take that jar, hoping that Jesus was going to be good enough so she could come back if she needed it. She didn't worry about that jar. She left that jar. Because the intent was, I have been satisfied. I am fulfilled. Who cares? About this. So she left her jar, and she went into town. I love this. She's trying to avoid those people. Minutes ago, she's coming at 6 o'clock in the heat of the day, so she wouldn't have to see anybody. It's maybe 6, 15, 6, 30 now in this conversation. And she's like, who cares? And she runs right back into the city where all the people are that she doesn't want to be around. And I hear she's probably knocking on doors. I know you don't like me, but you got to come here. I know you just said something about me, but you got to come here. I know that you think I'm horrible, and that's true, but you got to come here. you got to meet this guy, is what she does. Man, I've left that well. I'm <laughs> never going back to that well. I, I've got to show you this new well. And because she did that, I that's when you see it. Because she did that, in 39, we get a glimpse of what Jesus did, not just for her, but for others. This is now many Samaritans, people that Jesus never should have been around, by the way. Now many sinners. Now many worse of humanity. Now many of these people from the town believed in him. Because of what the woman said when she testified, he told me everything I ever did. This woman goes back into the town and she tells her story. And not only in that moment did she leave her well, but lots of other people left theirs too. Many of the people that Jesus should have ever been around stepped into a relationship with Jesus. Therefore, when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. He stayed there two days. And listen to this in 41. Many more believed because of what he said. And they told the woman, we no longer believe because of what you said. It used to be your story, but now it's not your story, is what they say. For we really have heard for ourselves and know this really is the Savior of the world. You know how much theology this woman went when she left and told her story? Zero. She was still really confused about religion, actually. But her story was enough to get them to properly story. So I just want to say this morning, some of you guys are like, I mean, I really need you to package that for me because that's a lot. We just package it for you. Right now, whatever it is that you're digging into, and you're trying to find happiness from and fulfillment from whatever you're trying to find that satisfies you right now. Actually, probably for most of you, whatever you're tired of right now. Jesus is inviting you to find satisfaction not in those things. Now, my family makes me really happy. Well, that's great. He's not saying that you can't have your family, but what he's saying is I should take priority over that. Because the truth of it is, you throw everything in. Throw everything in your family. Throw everything in that. But none of that stuff is eternal. And one day it may break, and then where are you going to be? Menace relationship. That's great. But if that's where you get your happiness, oh man, this, this place, that's great. This job, that's great. This vehicle, that's great. This thing, that's great. They're not maybe even bad things. But what Jesus is inviting us to do today is jump out of finding our happiness in these temporary things that we have to come back to every day into something that, man, if we come we can find our happiness in, it can be real happiness that lasts forever. If we can find real satisfaction that lasts forever. We can pack those wells plug those things up. We start digging into something that's actually going to do something. Something that's actually going to fulfill us. The truth of it is, I believe that for those of us who know Jesus, there's still stuff in the way, isn't there? Amen? If I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I don't think I'm wrong. You know why? Because I'm me, and I see me, but I also see you. And to see what it would look like if Jesus was our satisfaction. But to see what it's not like right now. Today Jesus is inviting us into that. Those of us that know Him, yes. We've still got issues, we've still got problems, but Jesus is inviting us today to half those words. But I do want to say this for those of us who don't this morning. He's also inviting us to with works He's also inviting us to, to leave trying to find something that's not possible in this world and step into something that is very possible through Jesus. For the truth of it is Genesis we, we get a clear picture that we were made for God, we were made too deep with God, we were made for a relationship with God, and we were separated from that from that moment on Jesus Genesis three. Man never been fulfilled and happy. We've always been wondering, we've always been searching, we've always been pursuing, the truth of it is the devil throws things in our hands that are not Jesus, just so we won't accidentally grab Jesus. And this morning I just want To hear this, Jesus in this moment is stepping down into the space for some of you guys. You're like, why do I feel this way? Why do I think this way? What's going on in me right now? And I just want you to know that's Jesus. He's showing up today and he's saying, you know what? You can keep living your life like you're living your life. And you can continue to be unhappy. And you can continue to do your thing. You've got the freedom to do that. But I just want you to know the situation is never going to change. The characters, the actors, the things, they may slide in and out but then it's always going to be the same baseline unhappy because it cannot you feeling I do want you to know today there's living water up here. Right. And I can and I will sustain you if you want it. I will change the situation. And I will change the circumstances. And I will satisfy you.